stand right here for a second. All right, cool. This is what happens. Okay, it's all good. Okay, so welcome. All right, glad you guys are here. Um, I am thankful for this time of year. I'm thankful for the vibe of Christmas. Uh, but you know, like I said this morning, it's more to us, right? We get the special opportunity during Christmas time to, yeah, celebrate Christmas and, and give out presents and spend time with family, but we get to also pause and be a little more thankful, right? That we get to actually celebrate the birth of Christ. Is that cool? Is that, is that a good thing? Okay, I think it is, okay? And I pray, like I said this morning, that we have that mindset that as we go through this, this special time of year that we can look for opportunities, I pray for opportunities for people to come into your life and that you get to share the gospel because of Christmas. Amen? Amen. And, I, and I really hope that that works. And I'm stalling here for a second. All right. Everyone, say thank you for Ray. Hey, Ray's awesome. <laughs> I, I, I truly mean I'm very thankful for Ray and all the stuff that he does back there for us. Um, but as we, as we get going, let's read this, this scripture together. Uh, not together. This is a, a little bit longer. I'll read it and we, we can read it with our eyes. Okay. Matthew 1, 18 and following. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to make Mary to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife their marriage until he gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. So we're all familiar with the birth story. We're all familiar with this. It's that time of year. We hear this over and over again, and we're going to put that on pause. I want you to have that in your mind because I'm going to talk about my son for just a little bit, okay? My son is a good sleeper, fairly good sleeper now, but when he was younger, it wasn't the case. Anybody have a similar experience with their kids? Maybe? Uh, Okay. It's pretty common, okay? I'm not complaining up here. But there was a brief period of time where Michelle and I would have to trade off because he wouldn't want to sleep alone. And in our house, we, we very rarely let our kids sleep in our bed because we wanted them to have their own space, okay? But we would go and we would sleep in their bed sometimes. And Jay especially had this problem for, I would probably say like three or four months. But you'd climb into bed with him and he'd stare directly in your eyes. It was kind of creepy. <laughs> But you, you would tell him, okay, like, close your eyes, it's time for bed. But he would just stare at you. So then you'd turn away, but you would feel his eyes on the back of your head, right? Um, but he, was, he would get so afraid. If you would think he was asleep and you'd try to roll out of bed and he wasn't asleep, he would know. He would wake up and say, where are you going? you got to stay in my bed with me. Please stay with me. I'd say, okay. And so I got pretty good at sleeping in a, such a way that the little, the slightest sleep that he had, I could roll out and be good, okay? And you maybe have some, maybe this is reminding you of a time with your children where you had to do a similar thing. And now, I was a decent sleeper, I think, as a, as a kid, um, but I do remember specifically one time, I was a little bit older than my son is now, 
My sister and I had just watched the movie The Day After Tomorrow. I have not seen it since, so I, I, I don't remember it very much. But I remember watching that movie and being so scared to go to sleep. So I was in my bed and I screamed for my dad. I was probably like nine or ten. I was a little too old for this. And I was like, the world is going to end tonight. If you don't know the premise of the movie, it's like this storm comes and basically, it's like an apocalyptic storm takes place, right? And it's bad, okay? And so in my mind, I was certain that after watching that movie, that exact storm was going to happen in Daytona Beach, Florida. There's going to be snow. I'm going to be like caved in my room and everything's going to fall apart. And my dad just looked at me and said, the world's not going to end tonight. And that was enough, okay? I, 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 I quieted down a little bit. I was able to go to sleep. And I know that he sat there until I was asleep. But there's something about that comfort that, that kids need sometimes, right? That, that I was able to give to my son and my dad was able to give to me. And the funny thing is, it's not just a kid thing, right? There are certain times in your life where you just need somebody in the room. And maybe, it, maybe it's not a sleeping thing. Maybe it's even if you go to a party, maybe a fellowship like this is nerve-wracking for you because you don't want to be alone. For me, I've been with my wife since high school. It's very hard to me, for me to be at social gatherings without her because she's just like my other, you know, part of my personality, right? I, I kind of need her around. And, and maybe you have that, that, that someone in your life where you just feel comfortable when they're around you. My question, I guess, is Why? Can't we just rationalize those fears away? In theory, yes, right? In theory, I could say, you know what? That movie Day After Tomorrow, I'm probably not going to see any snow tonight in Daytona. Right? As a 10-year-old, my dad could have said, Jimmy, it's illogical for you to think this way, and here's why. I got a weather map. I can show you the radar. He didn't have to do that for me, right? He was just a comforting presence for me. He was just there for me. And the same thing for my son. I couldn't just rationalize, hey, Jay, if you just close your eyes and you count to 100, I bet you'll fall asleep. It's needed somebody to be in the room with him. Humans aren't meant to be alone. We read this even in scripture, right? It's not good for man to be alone. And I think even someone who's not Christian would say this, that we excel in community together when we are, we are devoted to each other's lives and we are invested when we are just there for each other. We excel in community. We share ideas. We build cities. We build skyscrapers. We develop phones, these computers that can fit in our pockets. We do this together in community. And the world sees it that way. But in the church, it's even deeper. We excel in community. We aren't meant to be apart from each other. And I think in the same vein, as we look at Christmas time, I think we should recognize that we, are not, we were not made to be apart from God. Okay? We're, we're, we're meant to live and thrive in community, but we're also po- supposed to thrive in our relationships with God. And, and I notice that when, when I go through a season of fear and anxiety, the last thing on my mind is usually prayer. Does anybody else struggle with that sometimes? When you got event after event, or you have different um, meeting after meeting, and you have so much busyness in your life that you build up all this anxiety, and you say, the last thing I have time for is just to spend five minutes alone with God. That's a problem. And, I, and I'm, and I'm like, like, um, like Steve just said, when I point the finger at somebody else, they got three pointing back at me, right? But when I go through those seasons of fear and anxiety, the last thing I want to do is pray. And I want to own that with you all. But this, this time of year, this Christmas time of year, I want to challenge that a little bit, okay? Because I think this nativity scene, I think the birth of Christ really challenges the idea that we are too busy for God. 
I say all this because God understands where we're at. He understands that we go through fearful seasons. We go through anxiety-ridden seasons. And he understands and he wants to be a part of those seasons with us. Amen? He wants to be there by our side. This is why Christmas is so special for Christians. This is why I said it's more significant for us than anybody else in the world. Because God understands and he does something about it through Christmas. Through the birth of Jesus. God sees our God-shaped holes in our lives and he wishes to fill them with Jesus. And that is the entire purpose of Emmanuel. Okay? And we just read this. What Emmanuel means is God with us. Say that with me. God with us. Emmanuel means God is with us. Just like my, my, when I would comfort my son when he's going to sleep, just like my father did for me, I needed somebody to be there. My, my father was in that place. God sends Jesus to be God with us. That's incredible. Take a moment to, to think about the, the implications of this word here, this name here. God is with us. God sees our fear and anxiety, and he knows that we need him. So he literally intervenes in a miraculous way. He doesn't send a postcard. He doesn't send a text. He doesn't leave a voicemail. He literally intervenes. Emmanuel, God is with us. And this is nothing new. Yes, we celebrate Jesus as the Emmanuel, but this isn't the first time that God showed up, right? If we, re- if, if we just have the New Testament, you say, oh, this is pretty cool. God shows up. But we have this entire thing, okay? And God has been Emmanueling. I made a, what is that, a gerund, I-N-G, Right? God has been Emmanueling throughout time. God has been showing up over and over again. God set apart man and woman to have power and dominion. He wanted to be among his people. God wanted to be Emmanuel 24-7 with his people. But things kind of turned sideways there, right? Man created sin, but God still is Emmanuel, right? Are you with me? But even in all this, even though humans created sin, even though we created a divide between us and God, God says, I'm still with you. I am still Emmanuel. Let's read this in Genesis 8.1. This is in the middle of the flood, okay? This is in the middle of this narrative with, with Noah. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. In the midst of a terrible group of people and a terrible situation, God is Emmanuel. God is with us, right? Let's continue reading in Genesis 12.1 through 3. This is with Abraham, or Abram at this time. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse whoever curses you. I will, excuse me, I read that wrong. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And you have to remember at this time what's going on, right? A conversation he and Abraham have a little bit later about Sodom and Gomorrah. If there's just 50 righteous people, if there's just 10, if there's just five, a lot of bad stuff is going on right now, right? But God is still Emmanuel, and he chooses Abraham to be a blessing for generations. I could make you all stand up right now, and we could sing Father Abraham, right? Had many sons and many. We can raise our hands and say, yes, I'm part of that because of this, because God showed up and because God is with us. Let's go even further. 
This is from Exodus 3, 6 through 8. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, we just read about, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. In the midst of an awful situation, God is still Emmanuel. God is still with us. We see a theme here, right? God keeps showing up over and over again. I don't have any more um, verses, but think about Joshua. Right, We just talked about Moses. Moses wasn't able to finish the job, but he leads Joshua into the promised land with the Israelites, and they're eventually able to gather together as they were intended to. Think about the time when David fought Goliath. Right? Think about when Elijah took on all those prophets of Baal and he called down fire from heaven. All those times, I could keep going, guys. All those times, Emmanuel is echoed through history. God is with us, right? God is with us, Emmanuel. But we can't always see it, right? We can't always see it. Because if you think about all the people I just mentioned, you know, Noah's family didn't work out too well. There's some problems there, right? In Abraham, he, he, did his own, he tried to make his own blessing through, through Hagar, Right? And, 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 and Moses, he couldn't even finish the journey because of his, there's, there's some problems along the way for him. David had a lot of issues, right? All these people, we see all this, God shows up, but we still miss Emmanuel over and over again. Just as many times as God shows up, people tend to turn their back on him. God is with us, but we choose to look the other way. And the thing that you also see throughout Scripture is that not only does God show up in the lives of people, but he wants people to come to him. Throughout time, obviously, we just talked about how he wanted to be with humans from the beginning. But once we created sin, there was a divide. But even then, God wanted to become closer to his people. So they had their tabernacle. While they were wandering through the wilderness, they had a tent where God says, my, my dwelling place is going to be in this place. And you can come and be a part of that. And, but a tent wasn't good enough for God. He wanted some brick and mortar, right? So the temple was established, and he takes an even closer step to humanity, saying, this temporary place was not good enough. I want a a place where I can dwell, and people can come to me from all the nations, and they can experience Yahweh in a crazy new way. But that wasn't enough for God, right? And that's what we celebrate on Christmas. Emmanuel. Taking an unbelievable extra step forward towards humanity saying, not only am I with you, I am you. I am flesh and blood. I'm going to feel pain. I'm going to feel rejection. I am with you. God is with us. And another crazy thing about thinking about Christmas is, if I was God and I said, okay, how should I send a savior to this world? I'm thinking superhero. Right? I, I, want, I want to beam down a fully actualized Jesus, and I want him to be triumphant, right? I want him to have, you know, muscles and, like, all this stuff to say this is obviously the Son of God. But that's not how God does it, right? It's pretty special. That God chooses to send the Savior of the world as a newborn baby. 
That doesn't make any sense to me. But that's exactly why it makes sense for our salvation. It's exactly why it makes sense. Because he is Emmanuel. He is God with us, and he is God in and through us as well. That's not how God does it, but it's, or excuse me, that's not how I would have done it because I'm a flawed human being, right? But God does it in the most perfect way. He chooses to enter the world in the middle of controversy. Not only is he a baby, but he's coming into this place where he says, what's the worst possible situation for me to be born into? I picked that one. How many of you would have picked that? It's really staggering to think about all the layers through which Jesus entered this world. But it further, I think, drives home the point that he is Emmanuel, that he truly is with us, that even if you're born into a controversy, even if you're born into a family that's not so great, and he did that through history, right? We just talked about all the people who turned their back on God, but God still says, those are my people, and I'm going to be born into them and live among them. I am with my people. God is with us. Even in the most unappealing and disenfranchised group of people can identify with God. They can identify with Jesus because he chose to be with us. And I, and I didn't read the first, the first section of Matthew chapter 1, but I encourage you to go back and read that. It's just a genealogy. I say just. It's not just a genealogy. But if I were to sit here and, and, and just read to you Matthew chapter 1, the reason why that's so, so significant to the people who would have first heard that is because it's a history, right? You're saying, oh, I remember that story about that person. Oh, I remember how God showed up for that person. Oh, God did an incredible thing through that. And then all of that genealogy comes down to Mary and Jesus. It's a history of God showing up. It's a history of literally Emmanuel. Those names symbolize God working through people. He was there for them, and I want to say this because this is important. He is there for you as well. God is still Emmanuel to you and me. So as we approach Christmas, there's two things that I'm going to have on my mind that I, that I pray that we can kind of collectively as a church remember, okay? Remember, God is with us, okay? Emmanuel. We sang about it. We read about it. I want us to just really process this name. Remember that God is truly with us. There's a significance in seeing how God shows up. And and I, I encourage you this week to think about the times where God showed up for you. Process the times in your life where you're at your lowest lows and your highest highs. When did God show up in those places? It's, it's truly difficult sometimes to see how God shows up in the low places when you're in the middle of them, right? But in hindsight, you're able to see it. So I encourage you to see how God has been Emmanuel for you. Okay, so remember that God is with us. The second thing, and this is a little bit more difficult, make yourself vulnerable with God. I was reading, I, I, I've, I'm not great at keeping up with reading logs, but I was reading this Advent book, and the, the author talks about, the, he, he titles a chapter, Vulnerability, and he says that real connection requires vulnerability. And, I, and I, I think that's just to be true, right? With friendships, with spouses, with family, real relationships require vulnerability. Sharing of yourself. I don't know how much more God can share with us. It's time for us to give back to him, right? To be vulnerable with God. To, to, as you process those events where God has shown up, 
Ask God to illuminate the places where you're not so sure where he is. Be vulnerable with him where you fall short. Be vulnerable with him where you don't understand yet. Don't be afraid of that because I guarantee you God will show up if you ask him to. Be vulnerable with God this holiday season. And I encourage you to, to do this as a family, do this as a friend unit, whoever. Share this with somebody, right? I say it again. This is a great opportunity to share the gospel. Share yourself with God. So remember that God is with us and make yourself vulnerable with God. Those are the two things that I'm carrying with me into this holiday season. Um, but as we close out, um, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to have our um, invitation uh, but I, I really, really hope that, that you're able to see where Emmanuel has been in your life, throughout your life, this holiday season. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for Christmas, where the world seems to stop and pause and, and really reflect on thankfulness and family. But I pray that this can be an open door to talk about the gospel. I pray that we can remember how you've shown up in our lives and how you've shown up through history, how you've inched yourself closer and closer to humanity while we always turn our back on you. God, I pray that we stop doing that. I pray that we can be vulnerable with you and instead of turning our backs to you, getting on our knees and praying to you, God, sharing ourselves to you. And I pray that we can just remember how you've shown up in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So if you have any needs, if, if you don't really know how to be vulnerable with God, I get that because sometimes vulnerability is scary. But I pray that you talk to somebody. If you need to come forward, we're happy to receive you, but you don't have to come forward. Find somebody and talk to somebody as we stand and sing.